All right, everybody, welcome in. It is Eyes on Texas preview podcast and multicast. It is Texas OU week. What else do you need, right? Uh, it is the 119th meeting of the Longhorns and the Sooners. First time in more than a decade that both teams are undefeated. They hit the field at the Cotton Bowl tomorrow, and we're here to break it down for you. Uh, it is the Eyes on Texas multicast, a product of the Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. Uh, of course, you get weekly coverage with our Monday review of a week that drops on Tuesday. And now here we are on a Friday to talk about the game itself, Texas and Oklahoma. I want to thank our founding partners at uh, Grande Equipment, our presenting partners there. Also throughout the course of the uh, the conversation the, today, we will bring you the uh, the presenting partners as well, or excuse me, all of our founding sponsors and mention them as well as we get you to kick, talk, kick off Texas and OU. Mike, if folks are driving up to Dallas on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday morning or whatever they're doing, uh, this is a big one. This is uh, what it's all about. We talked about it during the talking season, all off season of what this game could be. The Longhorns and the Sooners have put themselves in a position to make this the game of the year in the Big 12. It does. It, it feels like the, the game of the year. It feels like a, a test that if Texas passes, uh, it's kind of smooth sailing from there, right? Or at least the pathway is cleared uh, for them to go big, do bigger things and even win the Big 12 championship. I can't stop thinking, however, that this is just the first of two meetings between these two teams this year. Yeah, I mean, and very well. And, you know, as, as we've talked about here in Austin on our, our show on the Horn in the morning, Rob Babers and myself, uh, the second one would be the more important game. I mean, this is not to suggest that tomorrow's matchup isn't important. It's, you know, for bragging rights, Longhorns could jump into the top one or two in the country with a win into their bye week to get you know, some bumps and bruises uh, ironed out and then hit that second half stretch, which you said is not the most imposing. Uh, but the second one would be more important because that would be in the Big 12 title game and a chance to because uh, you lose that game. Doesn't matter what you do in this game uh, if you win it or lose it. Yeah, no doubt. You you got to win the second one. You got to win the Big Twelve championship. Maybe if Texas or Oklahoma goes twelve and zero in the regular season, they're able to to get in there. But if two teams end up twelve and one and they've split both of those games, the one who wins the second one is going to get into the college football playoff. So uh, a, a big game Saturday. Uh, I do feel like it's a preview for for game two. I'm not. I still lean on Texas minus six and a half and taking those points. I. I'm not convinced of what Oklahoma is. As everybody knows, I'm the Texas senior writer for Dave Campbell's Texas football. So I got to watch all these teams in Texas. Oklahoma played SMU earlier in the season and did not look that good offensively. That was 11 and 11 uh, in the, in the fourth quarter. If SMU didn't fumble a ball on the sideline, you know, that, that is an upset special last week, you know, they score 50 points, but, but two of those touchdowns are, are pick sixes. And I know we'd like to, to, lean on the trope that Iowa State is really good and can at least play defense, but that's just a bad football team. Uh, I think Texas has proven more this year. You know, they're coming off that 49 to nothing win last year. Uh, this feels like one of those games that if Texas plays up to its potential, uh, they're just frankly better than Oklahoma. Yeah, I think they are. And uh, one of the, uh, the thought experiments we did on the show here in Austin this week, and, and we can play it a little bit here. Uh, and by the way, coming up on the multicast, we'll, we'll preview Texas offense against OU defense and vice versa. Dylan Gabriel uh, and the Oklahoma offense against this really good Texas defense and also some some uh, special teams conversation before them. We'll also talk some big picture college football, other games outside of this one. But uh, this is really all that matters right now, Texas and Oklahoma. I tend to agree with you and, and think about it this way. Which starter on the Texas team, offense or defense, would you trade for the opposing starter on the opposing on Oklahoma's team? Uh, uh, you have to dig pretty deep to find one. Uh, like, like which player for Texas would you trade? Maybe Dylan Gabriel, but not really for Sark's offense, I don't think. Dylan is built for what they do. But if you're a Texas fan, just ask yourself, 
how many players on the Oklahoma starting 22 would you swap with? Uh, there's been plenty of times in the last 10, 12 years that you would have taken a bunch of those guys off of Lincoln Riley teams and certainly, you know, Bob Stoops before him. But that's not the case. And that's kind of how this thing has flipped. The Longhorns seem to have the advantage across the board. I, can you think of any position you would just swap out or be happy with what you have at Texas? Yeah, I would be happy with what I have at Texas. Maybe, you know, maybe some safety play and coverage like a Billy Bowman is really athletic. So, you know, maybe a guy like that. But I try to look at football when I'm predicting these games or when I'm thinking about betting or, or whatever I'm doing, right or wrong. I like to look at how many paths to victory do you have? And it feels like Texas has multiple paths of victory. It doesn't need a huge game from Quinn Ewers. If Quinn Ewers has a huge game, it probably doesn't need a huge game from the running game. Even if the offense isn't playing all that well, the defense can go win you some football games. Maybe you get some big plays on special teams. It feels like Oklahoma's only path to winning this football game is Dylan Gabriel going off. Like having just a huge game where he's throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns and Texas is secondary, frankly, just can't keep up. That's the only way I can see Oklahoma winning this football game because they don't they don't run the ball all that well. They're not going to establish the run and just run into that big defensive line that Texas has. I don't think that they're going to be able to, to limit Texas to 17 points or something like that and win a 2017 game. It feels like the only way Oklahoma can win this game is like 41-38, get into a shootout, and Dylan Gabriel just has, you know, just a career day. Guys on Texas Multicast presented by Grande Equipments, also our other presenting partners and founding partners. We appreciate them. We'll tell you about them throughout the cast. But as we're doing some overview of this, we do want to give you an overview of our friends at Grande Equipment, locally owned and operated, have been uh, serving the world's equipment needs since 2004. It's not just they're, they're local and based here in Central Texas, but they work all over Texas, all over the country, and all over the world. Uh, as my buddy Wes Murray, who's in charge over there, he and his son Weston always say that uh, they're small and nimble and an independent company, but they play in the big leagues in a big way. Uh, so no project too large, none too small, and they're independent, I say. So you can, for their rental fleet or for, for purchase of, of heavy equipment, they can get you everything that you need from all the different manufacturers. They're not going to be locked in with Caterpillar or John Deere or uh, Komatsu. They can get you anything you want, when you want it, for any project of any size. As I've said, if you're building a freeway, they can get you locked in or a, a high rise, but they can, can handle what you need for the lease and the, uh, the land that you have out in the country there, whatever you're doing, they've got the equipment you need. At Grande Equipment, Great people, huge Longhorn fans, uh, lifers here in Central Texas, uh, Grande Equipment. Find them online at grandeequipment.com, and they present our program, so we appreciate them so very much. Uh, Mike, it's uh, one of those who-have-you-played conversations about Oklahoma. I think everything you just said about them I agree with paths to victory. You know, Dylan Gabriel is their only chance, and we'll talk more about that when we break down the individual sides of the ball. But, you know, big picture, macro, who have they played? I mean, the, I looked at the uh, Division One football rankings at the NCAA's website. They rank them 1 to 133 as a power ranking. You know, Texas is number three on that list. The highest-ranked team Oklahoma has played is SMU at number 51. Uh, and then you go on down from there. Uh, Cincinnati, Iowa State, heck, Arkansas State, and um, – Tulsa, I think, are in the hundreds as far as that goes. So uh, Longhorns have played three teams ranked higher than them by a lot. Alabama, Kansas, and even Wyoming is ranked in the 40s. So everything we see, because when you look at Oklahoma's numbers, they're pretty gaudy, right? They average over 350 yards of passing, 157 on the ground. They score it's 510 yards a game. They, they average 50 points and give up 10. But again, who, who are they playing? The best team they played was SMU. You know that team very well. Uh, that game was 14 to 11 in the fourth quarter. 
and Dylan Gabriel threw a couple of touchdown passes and they win 28-11, but that was by no means a dominant performance. How good is Oklahoma is a huge question in this game. I'm just not convinced that they're great. I mean, I think they're good. I think they're one of the top 20 teams in the country, but I think I could off the top of my head list 10 teams that are better than Oklahoma. I can't do that with Texas. Now, this is the Red River rivalry. Anything can happen in this game. We've seen upsets happen. Like this is this is one of those games that, that weird stuff happens. Neutral side. We all we all know the story there. Uh, but just on paper, uh, Texas, like I said, just has so many paths to victory to here. They've been tested. They've played on the road and they played really well. I know this isn't a true road game, but they go to Alabama, play a great game. I, th- I still think the, the road game against Baylor is the best game Texas has played all year. That may have to do with how bad Baylor is. But uh, I just think that they're a tested team who's been through the fire, who's played really strong second halves, who's obviously you know won this game 49 to nothing last year. They remember losing it. A lot of the guys that, that are really important on this team lost that game in 2021 where an Oklahoma stormed back with Caleb Williams. And so I just don't see this game as one of those that Texas sleepwalks through. And we've talked about this for months now. I have no doubt that Texas can get up and beat these teams. Like I had no doubt that they could get up and beat uh, Alabama. I have no doubt that they can get up and beat Oklahoma. Uh, this isn't one of those games that Texas is going to sleepwalk through the first half. I think Sark's going to have a, an incredible script. I mean, both of the the games he's played against Oklahoma, Texas has come out firing uh, offensively. And so it feels like one of those games that that Texas uh, isn't at risk at, at kind of uh, sleepwalking through. And so uh, to me, that that means the Longhorns are going to going to roll here. Yeah, as you say, throw out the records in a rivalry game. But it feels like the team that can beat Texas in this game is Texas, right? And uh, their own mistakes. Uh, we've seen some drop punts. We've seen some you know drop kickoffs. Those are the kind of things in this game with the emotional swings that happen. Uh, it can happen pretty quick. So, uh, but again, it's a long game. I mean, it's, we've seen good, you know, big leads evaporate. Uh, it's a game of streaks, a game of runs, and it's the classic. It's the final Texas-Oklahoma game uh, as members of the Big 12 Conference, two of the founding members of the conference now leaving to join the Southeastern Conference. I do find it pretty interesting and comical that uh, Brett Yormark, the commissioner of the Big 12, will not be at this game, uh, and he's not going to do any of the game day stuff. ESPN game day is there, but Greg Sankey will be. Greg Sankey is going to be there. And I'd also say before we dive in head-to-head matchups, offense and defense here on the Eyes on Texas, uh, also find it interesting that, that Greg Sankey is bullish on the idea that, you know, if you're used to this game being, you know, the kegs and eggs, 11 o'clock kick, probably get ready for this to be a 2.30 kick starting next year. Greg Sankey has made that pretty clear that, you know, 2.30 is the SEC's big window, right? They play their big game when it's on CBS now, uh, occasionally a night game, and this game would never be played at night. So you can, you can plan on this being 2.30. As we talked about the way TV works, for ABC Disney, uh, which has had the, the rights to this game for so long, their national window is 11 o'clock, right? They're noon Eastern, 11 o'clock. Uh, once you get to 2.30 on ABC Disney and ESPN, they do regional games. So you get four games. They don't want this game to be a regional broadcast. They want it to go to the country. That has to be the 11 o'clock game or the primetime game. You get to CBS or excuse me, you get to ESPN next year when it's the SEC. And this is probably almost certainly that 2.30 kick game that this week, Mike, will be the A&M Alabama game following Texas and Oklahoma but so I get to sleep in a little bit more starting next year when you join the Southeastern Conference I think it's a good move yeah don't have to park at 7 a.m at the Cotton Bowl <laughs> to, to get there and beat all the traffic I'm not you know obviously I'm not as hardcore of a Texas fan as, as a lot of people listen to this podcast so I don't see Brett Yormark as this like evil villain guy uh, I think it's a this the mature smart business thing to do to not be at this game Greg Sankey's going to be there for all intents and purposes moving forward this is an SEC matchup you know, why be a distraction? Why, why, why do that? You know, like you have partnerships with the ESPN uh, as well. And so 
Uh, it feels like a this whole your mark versus Texas thing has felt like a non-story made into a story to me uh, all year. I, don't, I still don't understand what he did. That was that was that wrong. Uh, but on the field, uh, this gives us enough. Like I, I'm of the opinion that this is the last super important Red River rivalry game uh, in terms of like college football playoff stuff. Because if this was the 12 team playoff this year, this game doesn't matter. Both teams are in if they go 11 and one and 12 and one and beat each other one time. Uh, and so. Uh, to me, there's enough stakes in this game for it to just to be an on-field deal and, and not worry about, you know, Big 12 versus SEC. I think, I don't know, I I remember us Texas fans bashing A&M for pretending like they were like already an SEC school and being too cool for school and then going and having their best year in the SEC with a Big 12 roster. Uh, it feels like we've kind of forgotten all that stick that, that we gave the Aggies. And, you know, this is still two Big 12 teams. And if they win and they go, one of them goes to the college football playoff, the Big 12 is going to get that money. So I, I don't think your mark is all that worried about it. Agree. Agree. I just think it's kind of funny. <laughs> and the great yeah. sake you'll be there. It's, it's the it's the, uh, the engagement party, I guess, right? The wedding hadn't happened yet, but this is the engagement party. Uh, no ex spouse wants to go to the engagement right. party. Yeah, that's right. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to go. Uh, watch your. Watch your old fling have fun. Especially watch your old two flings uh, go yeah. have fun. And so, uh, yeah, I just you know, I, I think it's the right way to do. It. I, I don't sure. think this stuff is as contentious behind the scenes as it gets on Twitter. Well, but your arm probably shouldn't have popped off out in Lubbock. Longhorn fans would be a little, <laughs> little easier with this the way he yeah. did, uh, yeah. and then not show up for this game. It's the uh, biggest tech, game of the if year. If Tech was better, if Tech was better. Uh, the comments wouldn't have been as bad. Uh, the fact that he did it in Texas is two or Tech is two and three makes it a little bit a little bit more funny than it was. All right, let's talk the uh, the matchup of the Oklahoma offense run by Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator against Pete Kwiatkowski in this Longhorn defense. Uh, that preview will be brought to you by friends of One Source Gas of, of Central Texas. Um, give me your, your your thoughts here. Here's your, here's the way I look at this. Um, you know, Oklahoma has big numbers. Forty seven points a game is what the stats say. Almost fifty points. But as we talk about the the strength of schedule, uh, you know, 47 half points, but 73 points and 66 against Arkansas State and Tulsa, the two best teams they've played. They scored 28 against SMU and needed two fourth quarter touchdowns to get there. Cincinnati, they played on the road, their toughest road test to date. That was a 20 point game. Uh, they scored 20 points, 120 to six. Uh, how, I will say Dylan Gabriel's having a phenomenal start to his year. He's sitting over 60 percent of his deep balls. He also might complete 61% of his passes in between the hash marks. He makes his living across the middle of the field and deep. Uh, that's something Longhorns can, can get ready for. Uh, but with Dylan Gabriel, there's maybe no quarterback in the country who's more familiar and more comfortable in his offensive system, right? This is his sixth year playing in this system with Kendall Bryles. Uh, what do you, how do you see this? We know the Longhorn defense has been outstanding. Tell me about, uh, you know, what's the number in your mind that you think Oklahoma will score in this game? you know, consistently against this Longhorn team? Is it like the 20 or 28 we talked about, or is it closer to 30 or 40 in your mind? Yeah, I think Texas can to keep them under 30. It's uh, Jeff Levy's the OC uh, there oh, at, at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, it's all Bryles tree, right? Like he's uh, Art Bryles' son-in-law. So he's basically a Bryles right. there. Yeah, Kendall uh, obviously is at uh, TCU. TCU now, uh, which is also struggling offensively, ironically enough. Uh, you know, I, I just I think the matchup here for Texas is the running game because Oklahoma is going to get some plays passing. They're going to Dylan Gabriel is going to end up, you know, getting his. I, I don't think Texas is going to shut out Oklahoma again for a second straight year or anything like that. Uh, but if Texas can make OU one dimensional, if they can keep Oklahoma from running the football against Cincinnati, Oklahoma only averaged. Uh, three yards a carry against SMU. It was only four. And a lot of that came late as, as SMU was getting tired and they were down a little bit. So if Texas can line up, stop the run, be bullies in the, the defensive line as they have been through five weeks and make this be Dylan Gabriel show, 
I think then Kwiatkowski and the defense can start coming up with some exotic stuff, get Anthony Hill off the edge, get Ethan Burke off the edge, Baron Sorrell off the edge, Byron Murphy, Trevondre Sweat coming up the middle. So as soon as Texas can make this uh, OU offense one-dimensional, all of a sudden Texas can go hunt and eat and do all the exotic things that they want to do defensively. I, I think that's the key. If Oklahoma is able to run the football, because Oklahoma has decent running backs, they have a solid offensive line. If they're able to put it together early against this Texas team and make them worry about both, all of a sudden we start worrying about the, the Texas secondary and what those safeties look like and man-to-man coverage down the field. If they can make them one-dimensional, all of a sudden you can have some help back there. You can get some blitzes and prevent some of that downfield stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's where I think Texas here, – here's the, the big advantage for me. You mentioned it, that their lack of running game, right? They don't have a running back over 200 yards yet this year. Jonathan Brooks is three yards from 600. He leads the Big 12. We'll talk about that with the Texas offense. But the Longhorns can control the line of scrimmage and run. Oklahoma hasn't been able to do that uh, against anybody, really. Uh, Marcus Major is under three yards a carry, but he's their leading rusher by yardage, 199. But, again, 3.9 yards per carry. Tywee Walker, kid out of Vegas, is 193 yards. Javante Barnes. They, and they, it's been weird. Like, you know, Walker had a big game against Tulsa, but then he didn't play, or against SMU, and then he didn't play at all the next week. It's been weird, the rotations that they're doing with uh, Jeff Levy. So, I do think – and here's the thing, right, Mike, with the big offense, big, big D-line with Sweat and Murphy, Alfred Collins, especially if they go heavy, I think they can stop the run with a light box. I think they can put, you know, six or seven in the box at most and be able to stop the run, which gives them more for coverage. And, you know, Jalen Ford, uh, that, you know, Oklahoma's going to have to prove it to Texas that they have to put more, they have to go heavy. Because we've seen them each of the last couple of weeks against Kansas and against uh, Baylor before going to a traditional, you know, 4-3 defense, right? Putting three linebackers on the field, going heavy, trying to match up with that Baylor run game and that outside zone, trying to match up with Kansas and that run game. Against Oklahoma, you go the opposite, right? You probably go lighter box, get your speed on the field, play coverage and prove that they can run the football. Yeah, I mean, if you can make this team one-dimensional with six or seven in the guy, seven guys in the box, Texas wins by 20. You know, Oklahoma, in my opinion, Oklahoma sh- shot here is to threaten Texas enough with the running game to, to make them be man-to-man in the back end, and then you go beat them. Um, if, if they can't run the football at all, and Texas can be in zone coverage and populate all the spots on the back end and have some help for those safeties – or just turn it up and say, Anthony Hill, go get that guy. Ethan Burke, go get that guy. And just kind of all out blitz them uh, to the point where they can't get vertical. You know, Texas tackles well enough in space. Uh, they're big. They're strong. Uh, I think that they're going to bully this Oklahoma team if Oklahoma doesn't come out and threaten them at least a little. But just give them something to think about in the run game. Because if not, uh, I, I just think this one gets ugly. I don't imagine Oklahoma tries to do it traditionally. I think they use the screen game and the quick passing game to be an extension of their running game and get, you know, get to second and five that way, rather than just hand it off to majors and go straight up the middle. That's just not a recipe that's going to work against this Texas team. Yeah. Uh, I watched a lot of that Cincinnati game and they, they really couldn't establish a lot of scrimmage against the Bearcats. Uh, they're going to have a hard time with these Longhorns who one of the best defensive fronts, if not the best defensive front in the country right now with a couple of tackles playing at elite levels, Jalen Ford, playing great and another name I like a lot in this game and I might pick him to be my uh, defensive player of the game is Jalen Catalan I know they've had him on a pitch count but man he's one of those guys that can come down the alley support the run where they need him to and we've seen him you know in the limited time he's played this year they want to keep him healthy I think for this game uh, he will strike you right he will come from a long way uh, and Sark has talked about his instincts once he sees it and think about this we mentioned the Jeff Levy Art Bryles coaching tree he played three seasons at Arkansas with yeah. that this same offense hey, he knows it well he knows its tendencies. 
might even know some of the verbiage. Uh, he can come downhill and, and lick some people uh, coming from space where it looks like he's in coverage. I really like Jalen Catalan. I think one of the reasons he's played so little, they know what he can do is for a game just like this to make sure he didn't re-injure that shoulder and he was healthy for, for this game Saturday. Yeah, I, I, he's been excellent when he's been able to play. He he provides a physicality and some leadership back on that back end that you can tell has been contagious, you know, has really helped a lot of those guys. I'll take Jade Barron as a guy who I'm looking for uh, to have a big game. I do think Oklahoma is going to try the quick passing game, a lot of screens out wide, a lot of stuff with slot. You know, Drake Stoops has been you know, their most targeted receiver. I think Jade Barron's ability to play tough against those passing uh, game and then also maybe come up with an interception or a fumble recovery or one of those big plays he tends to make in these big games can be the difference here. Yeah, and obviously if you're looking for the vulnerabilities, if you're Oklahoma, you're trying to get the safeties locked up in coverage, and specifically Jaron Thompson, even Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts was banged up this year. We should get an update from Sark on, um, you know, they've been listed as day-to-day, he and Jatavion Sanders. I've been told by a really good source that JT's feeling fine. He's going to be okay for this game. But on the off defensive side, it's Ryan Watts. So if Watts is limited uh, and he's given up some big plays over the top this year, uh, will you see more Manny Muhammad, the true freshman? Could see Terrence Brooks. Uh, in a big spot here. Gavin Holmes is a corner you could see more of in this game. Uh, and you wonder if Pete Kwiatkowski kind of mix, mixes and matches based on down and distance uh, if they get the ability to sub. That's the one thing we haven't mentioned. Oklahoma will go fast, right? They go very, very fast, faster than any team Texas has played as far as tempo. You know, Kansas, Wyoming, Baylor, they're trying to slow the game down. They're trying to limit Texas possessions. That will not be OU here. They're going to come at you with that tempo game. Uh, but if you're able to substitute, you wonder in a, in a Passing situation, obviously, if you see more Derek Williams at safety, more of a cover linebacker, Jaron Thompson in more of a, a run-stopping mode. Really be interesting to see how they deploy their defensive backs in this game. I think they have plenty of them, and they're healthy outside of Watts, uh, but that chess match will be very interesting for me to watch on Saturday. And to your point about tempo, you know, first down is always important, but against teams like Oklahoma, first down is everything. Uh, if they're constantly in second and two and can start speeding it up and, and call the next play and get out there with 10 or 15 seconds left, uh, Texas is going to be in trouble because that's hard to play against. No matter how good you are, they can gash you and, and, and make you start, you know, uh, having to substitute and get and get some personnel there that maybe you don't want to do. If Texas can win first down, all of a sudden Oklahoma has to slow it down a little bit, get into different things, second and 10, and then Texas can go, you know, do what they do best, and that's dominate up front. Eyes on Texas Multicast, which is presented by Grande Equipment. Also one of our founding partners is our buddy Richard Strever and his team at One Source Gas. Richard is in business over 10 years now, 12 years, as a matter of fact. He started out in the field uh, as a, with, his, with his business partner. He's now the owner, worked his way up from the ground level because he is a people person. Uh, Richard and his team serve their clients in a variety of end markets. So if you need compressed gas, obviously the CO2 for your bar taps and beer taps at your restaurant or, 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 or bar or wherever you are, they've got those veterinaries, medical field with the, uh, the gases that you need for that. These are, these are necessities to your business. You have to have them. They got to be there on time and ready to go. And that's what One Source Gas is all about. Why are they growing like they are from a small company to all through Central Texas, down into San Antonio now and beyond? Because they just do it better. Uh, they're more reliable. Uh, they're going to make sure they go bend over backwards to make sure you have the gas products you need at One Source Gas. And all you have to do to find them, go to their website, onesourcegasatx.com. One Source Gas, and please spell out the word one. So onesourcegasatx.com. You'll find Richard and his team and uh, great folks helping us out with the Eyes on Texas multicast. Huge Longhorn fans. We appreciate them very, very much. All right, let's flip it. Sark v. Venables. This is a really fun matchup. You know, if you're watching the NFL this weekend and you get to watch Dan Quinn versus Kyle Shanahan and that Niners-Cowboys matchup, which will be a lot of fun. This one's similar. 
And it's interesting that, you know, as long as they've been coaching college football, they really haven't matched up a lot. Uh, you know, the one year when Oklahoma played USC in the national championship game back in 04, Sark had moved on to the Oakland Raiders, right, where he was the quarterback's coach for a year before coming back. Um, you know, there was the one year in, in when Nick Saban got, what, COVID, right? Didn't he – or no, no. Nick Saban was – he, he coached a game against uh, Clemson where he had to call oh, – Lane Kiffin left. That's what it was. Lane Kiffin left for their for the Ole Miss – or for one of the jobs he left for, Ole Miss, I think it was. And it was him against uh, Brett Venables in the uh, Clemson-Alabama uh, matchup. So, but again, not as much as you would think. And obviously, Sark has the talent uh, gap here. If you're talking – NFL with the Cowboys and, and Niners, it feels like the the uh, the talent level is pretty even. I think Texas has a, a superior gap, even though they've added through the portal, even though Oklahoma has gone and really worked on building depth on their D-line and added some good linebackers. The, the, the talent advantage still belongs on the burnt orange side of this one. The talent advantage belongs to the burnt orange, and, and I think the, the biggest advantage is that offensive line. You know, we've talked for six or seven months about how this offensive line can be a dominant force and one of the best units uh, in America. This is the week to go show that, you know, no, no, it's just second half, not just a quarter or two uh, from the opening kick to the last minute, uh, Texas, Texas offensive line uh, needs to set the tone here uh, because they have an advantage everywhere else. Uh, if Jonathan Brooks can get going early and all of a sudden they can be, you know, two dimensional with the pass game and the run game. I just don't know if Oklahoma is able to stop that. Right. And so uh, the Oklahoma just like what we talked about on the other side of the ball, if Oklahoma can make Texas one dimensional and, and kind of stop that running game and, and put it all on Quinn Ewers, well, then maybe you can get a mistake or two. Maybe you can have a bad Quinn Ewers games where he's just not, you know, in it. And, and all of a sudden it's the, the second half and it's like the Wyoming game where it's 14 to 14 in the fourth quarter and then anything can happen. Uh, so for me, this is about Texas's offensive line, Jonathan Brooks, establishing that at run game, forcing Oklahoma to get into man-on-man -man coverage in the secondary. And then once that happens, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J. Uh, T. Sanders can go uh, do those things and, and do them well. Sark did say today in the presser, uh, that JT Sanders is a, is a go. Um, so I think he's going to be a, a big part of this game, obviously. Yeah, agreed. And I'd heard that this week. He went to the, uh, they did a big pep rally on Tuesday night. By all accounts, he was walking without a limp. And uh, there were thought he could have gone in back in last week against Kansas. He was running on the sidelines, but that ankle got rolled up. But fortunately, he should go because he's a big factor here, right? He's the, yeah. he unlocks this whole offense. We talked about that a lot here on the Eyes on Texas, the matchup problem. Plus, he can be in the heavy sets and the lighter sets. It really doesn't matter. JT could be huge in this game. Uh, and, and look, uh, here's my game plan. We talk about recipes for winning, pathways to winning. Brett Venable's a very good defense coordinator. He's got a lot of defense, as Sark will say, a lot of schemes. Can you make Quinn yours see something that he's not used to? Can you make him confused? We saw against Kansas where, you know, they couldn't, and Quinn just looked locked in, was making great throws. Uh, but we've seen we, as Quinn emerges, if you can muddy the muddy the picture a little bit, if you can, and that starts, and that's where I wonder on on the rundowns because I agree with you 100% about the offensive line and Jonathan Brooks, and he's the leading rusher in the Big 12. This is one of those games. He has a big game. He could be looking at you know Doak Walker status kind of things. You're looking nationally at numbers for running backs, uh, and this would be a big center stage game. But you know, I, I would assume you see some run blitzes early downs, trying to create some down long down and distance, uh, some some things to, to try to because they know Texas is going to try to run the ball. That'll be a great chess match if, you know, Sark tries to catch them in a blitz on early downs, hit something over the top and man coverage. But if they can, you know, Brett Venable's way of winning this game is let Texas's problems in the red zone become a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Bend but don't break. Maybe early blitzes on rundowns, but then in offseason passing downs, back up, keep everything in front of you, rally to the ball. We saw Wyoming with this game plan. We saw Kansas with this game plan. 
And what do you know, Kansas, even with their backup quarterback, was 16-13 in the third quarter because Texas settled for some field goals because they couldn't score from the nine or eight, eight or nine-yard line a couple of times. Uh, and then, and by the way, that was after JT Sanders got hurt, uh, so they didn't have that red zone, big red zone target down there. Uh, but the, And then Burt Auburn missed a couple of field goals, and we know what happened. So uh, that's got to me, that's got to be Venables. I know he likes to be aggressive. He likes to come after it. But, man, that's the way you give up big plays to this Texas team. And you give up big plays, you, you, you know, again, bend but don't break. See if you can force field goals and give yourself a chance to be in this game. Yeah, win first down, put it on Quinn Ewers' shoulder, and then when they do move the ball and get to the red zone, field goals aren't bad. You know, that's a win in modern defense, right? I mean, you give up three points, you're going to take that every single time. And so, um, for me, that's the next step for Quinn Ewers. As you mentioned, when he does struggle, it's because that picture gets a little muddy. Things get crowded. He doesn't know, or maybe the first read's taken away, maybe the second read's taken away, and now he has to get to the third or fourth guy. I will say the thing that Quinn has added to help with that is the ability to run. And so uh, if he can keep doing that in the red zone, maybe Oklahoma has to dictate or dedicate a defender to him, and then all of a sudden that opens stuff up in the red zone. But, yeah, I mean, for me, this game is about first down in the red zone on both sides of the football. And the team, the offense that's able to, to win those matchups more consistently is going to win this football game. Yeah, then the, you add the always fun explosive plays because if you can create some chunk plays, because I mean for Texas, I look, I, you know, we already talked about their defense, but you know if they don't give up big plays to Oklahoma, I don't think they go 10, 12, 14 play drives on this Texas defense. That's hard to do. Yep. Whereas Texas, I think, can win both ways. They can win with long, sustained, grinded out drives, and I think they can also get the big play if it presents itself. That's the uh, the versatility Sark has talked about. As for personnel on uh, on OU, uh, their best player is Danny Stutzman. He's the linebacker. Uh, he can really run big guy. I think just think Jalen Ford. He's got that. And think about when, when Brett Venables was at Clemson and he had all those, the line, who was the linebacker with a neck roll? Uh, the white guy that was just never there in those national championships. He likes to have big defensive fronts and then his linebackers run. There's a kid named Jaron Canick, uh, who's trying to just kind of learn to play the position. He wears number seven, I believe. Uh, good player. Those are your linebackers. Up front, there's a guy, uh, a Wake Forest transfer named Rondell Bothroyd, who's probably their, their most consistent player. Um, but again, they they just rotate a lot. They don't have anybody as good as Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat or Alfred Collins, but they have a lot more numbers. And this is the other thing about this team this year, Mike, they're much faster. Mm -hmm. Team speed has improved dramatically. And I know, you know, the back end very well, having covered Texas recruiting, uh, where you got Woody Washington and you've got, uh, uh, you know, the kid Peyton Bowen, uh, out of Denton Ryan, who's a five-star kid. Um, you know, they've got some dudes back there that can play safety of the key Lawrence, pretty key Lawrence is pretty good in run support. So it's a much faster defense, but still, I don't think they match up with Texas very well. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the, a better defense than the one that gave up 49 points to Texas last year, just like the Oklahoma offense is better. And you expect that in year two. I mean, Sark got better in year two at Texas. Uh, Venerable's a good football coach. He's going to get better in year two. This is a much improved team. This is a dangerous game for Texas. Uh, but I think it's dangerous because they can shoot themselves in the foot, right? I mean, it only becomes dangerous if Texas, you know, looks up in the fourth quarter and this thing is close. They have... I mean, we saw it last week with Kansas. They put Kobe Bryant on Xavier Worthy and, and A.D. Mitchell just ate them alive. Like, you, you can't double-team all of these guys. If J.T. Sanders is really healthy, you know, no matter if this secondary is improved, no matter if that second level is improved, Texas should be able to go score points. And it's my opinion that if Texas can get to 30, they win this game, and they probably cover. Yeah, I agree with you on that, by the way. We'll get our final scores coming up. Uh, I would also say this. I I, you know, I expect to see a lot of that Big 12 package. The, uh, the the extra offensive lineman Malik Ogbo comes in, and it's a a six offensive line with J.T. Sanders. They like to to run out of that, obviously, and bully Oklahoma. 
They also like to run play action out of that and create big plays down the field because not only does that sixth offensive lineman allow you to run the ball, it allows for really good pass protection. So long developing routes. And I don't care how good your corners are against Worthy and, and uh, Mitchell. If you got to cover five, six, seven seconds, you know, you're giving up some big plays. And that's what they'll do with this uh, out of that six. So keep a look, keep an eye on that when you see it. That's what they call it, the Big 12 package. Um, you know, and I, I think kind of like we talked about with Kansas, they couldn't stop the run last year. Uh, let's see if they can stop the run this year. Let's start with that because uh, Texas could feel really good about this game if they come out and establish the running game if it's with, you know, traditional offensive line or go six because they can, they can also pivot and throw out of that, that set. So Texas offense against Oklahoma defense. This is Oklahoma defense numbers-wise good. They, they allowed 10 points a game. I watched that whole Cincinnati game, and, uh, you know, they, were, they, they did what I, I said about this game. They, they, they limited Cincinnati field goals. Cincinnati put up some yards. They moved the ball between the 20s. They gave themselves opportunities, but they settled for two field goals. They missed a field goal, and I think they went for it on fourth down one time in the red zone and didn't get it. That's why they only had six points, but they did move the ball. That's, that's their way of winning this game is, is playing that Cincinnati game plan. Uh, but Texas has, you know, better players at every position than Cincinnati has uh, across the board. Uh, all right, that's our look at the Texas offense against Brent Venable's defense. That's brought to you by our friend uh, Carlos Carrion, the Texas mortgage guy. That's the Texas mortgage guy.com. Carlos is the best. Uh, use him every single time. He's a lifetime Longhorn fan, lifetime Austinite. So when it comes time to real estate and mortgages, no one knows it better than he does. It's a weird market right now, but Texas is, uh, but Carlos is your guy. The Texas mortgage guy.com. Let's go to that website, find him right there. He's, he's the best. Uh, like-minded, you know, when you're doing a big deal like that, you want to have someone who loves Texas football, Texas baseball, all the sports. Carlos Carrion is your guy. The TexasMortgageGuy.com. Not just an answer guy, he's going to be your roadmap to making good decisions for any mortgage, any refi, uh, any new property you're buying. It's tech, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. All right, Mike, let's talk special teams quick. I mean, I think that's one place to talk about trading players. Burt Auburn struggled a little bit. Sark defended his kicker saying, you know, there were some snap issues and that timing gets off just a little bit. It can affect the kick. But uh, Burt Auburn, who's been, been pretty darn good, but of late has been, eh, he didn't miss the game, he missed kick in the Oklahoma, in the Alabama game uh, that, that didn't come back to haunt Texas. Uh, meanwhile, Oklahoma's got a really good kicker. Oklahoma's kicker is one of the best in the Big 12. Uh, he's a guy that can, can, can nail those three points, and these, these will be important. But special teams-wise, are you, how level of concern for Texas when you've seen the the fumbled punts and things of that nature. I predicted last week that maybe Xavier breaks one. He did not. Kansas did a good job of directional punting. Uh, these are the kind of games where special teams plays come in big. Think of Jordan Shipley's kick return in 08. Um, gosh, coming out of the end zone with Xavier Worthy two years ago and setting up bad field position for Texas over and over in the OU comeback. Special teams you know, is always big, but it seems like in this game, this game is really big for momentum swings. Yeah, we've seen the upset happen because they won the advantage on special teams so much. And so if I'm Texas, you know, I don't even need to win the special teams battle. I just need to not lose it. You know, don't don't fumble the ball. Don't miss some kicks. Just break even special teams and let your offense and defense go win this football game. Because to your point, if you give up those short fields off the punt return, you know, botches like you did against Baylor, Oklahoma is equipped to go score those points. Like they're not, they're not Baylor's offense, right? This is a, this is a much better team than the bears. And so Texas just can't give them anything. They can't turn the ball over on offense. They can't turn the ball over on special teams and Auburn's got to make those kicks. You, when you get into position and you can get those three points, uh, that can't be a zero on the scoreboard. You're going to need every single point that you're going to get, because as you mentioned earlier, this is a game of runs. And even if you have kind of your foot on their throat, you have to go ahead and take advantage of that stuff earlier. It can come back to you in the second half and really bite you. Uh, Oklahoma number 12, Texas number three, special teams always a factor. The emotions of the game always a factor. 
Uh, and man, so many storylines. Looking forward to this. I'd also say uh, maybe a punt block. I mean, those things happen. The, the dreaded double thud for a coach. I mean, Jeff Banks always looking for creative ways with Joe D. Camillus. We really haven't seen, they haven't needed it, but the special teams create a big play like that so far. This would be one of those, I think for both sides, as you said, but man, if Texas could create something, Keelan Robinson on a, as a gunner coming off the corner or, you know, so many times these it takes a, a game that, that feels too close and all of a sudden it's out of control because of a special teams play. Texas seems to have the more explosive players uh, in this game. That's really at every phase. The more explosive players, uh, we talked about swapping starters. We wouldn't spot, you wouldn't swap many for Texas. Uh, Texas is just a deeper team. Uh, Oklahoma still in year two for Brett Venable. Sark in year three has done a great job of adding pieces. That's one of those things. Next year when they play this game in the SEC at 2.30, Mike, uh, the young quarterback Jackson Arnold will likely be your starting quarterback, big five-star kid. Um, you know, Oklahoma will add another offseason of pieces. This, this rivalry not going away, but I still think Texas is in the advantage position for this one uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, we'll tell you about the special teams partner coming up, but uh, Mike, give me, you, you kind of alluded to your final score. Uh, if Texas gets to 30, they win and they probably cover. So uh, are you, cause I wrote down before the show, I, I wrote down 34, 24. Is that kind of the number you're looking at? That's funny. I wrote down 31, 21. So okay. you know, we're, we're both, <laughs> both looking at a 10 point game. I, as we mentioned earlier, I just, the only way Texas loses, loses this game is if they lose it themselves, right? If they turn the ball over, if they play sloppy, if the offense doesn't execute, if we get one of those weird Quinn Ewers games that we haven't seen this year, to be fair, uh, that, we, that we saw a little bit in his first year as a true starter. And so uh, if they can run the football, if they can take care of the football, give me Texas to cover, give me Texas by 10 points to keep that 10 point or more uh, streak going. Agreed. And I also, one thing I'll add uh, this for the Oklahoma side, because I agree with you, the, the only team can beat Texas in this game is Texas. But one way Oklahoma can swing that momentum and swing the advantage is the fact that they haven't played anybody. We started the broadcast talking about that they haven't played anybody, which, you know, it has given this coaching staff, they haven't had to show everything. I mean, there could be some exotics. There could be something on both sides of the ball that Texas hasn't seen. Uh, that's their way, right? That's, you know, you're the boxer and you're going to, you know, you've been fighting tomato cans, so you really haven't had to bring out the big moves. Now, this could be one where uh, trick plays, um, you know, maybe, maybe Jackson Arnold. We've seen Jackson Arnold, the quarterback. That's his name, right? The kid out of uh, Denton. Is that the yep. QB? Yep. Yeah, big five star. You, you know, he he lines up. That sometimes you'll see him come out and he'll be lined up as a receiver, uh, and then he comes in motion. They're they, they're setting something up with that, and he's a really talented player and a good athlete. He can run it. Uh, certainly a better runner than Dylan Gabriel. They don't want Dylan getting hurt. I'll be watching for that. Anytime you see Jackson Arnold come on the field uh, from your seats at the Cotton Bowl or watching it, keep an eye on him. Uh, they they feel because they really haven't done anything with it. They've just kind of shown it. And I don't mm -hmm. wonder if the Longhorns come back with some of that. Remember Savion Red and the. Uh, the red, the red, uh, red cat package that we saw in the Wyoming game, uh, where for those goal lines, maybe Savion Red for Texas comes back and all those. Things. This is that kind of game, Mike. You're going into your bye week, and you've beaten Alabama already, Texas and Oklahoma. If you've got something in your bag of tricks, might as well use it in this game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is why you do that all offseason, right? I mean, what else are you what else are you waiting for? This is this is the biggest game of the year. The way that the Big Twelve has looked so far, I, I know that can be a dangerous way to kind of approach this stuff, but the way the big 12 has looked so far, I mean, this feels like, you know, far and away the best two teams in this conference. And so uh, not only do you do it to win this football game, you do it to put it on film for the rest of the way out. Uh, but yeah, any tricks that you've built out over this six or seven months, uh, go ahead and use it. And, and that's true on the other side too. Like Texas has to be uh, prepared and ready uh, for Oklahoma to, to put all that stuff out there as well. They're the underdog. 
Uh, they lost 49 to nothing last year. They're going to pull out all the stops, especially if Texas's defense works early. Um, and so that's that's the way, that's Oklahoma's key to success here, right? Is to create plays, to come up with ways uh, to go score points and create new paths for victory. All right, there you go. Uh, you're at 31-21. I'm at 34-24. I think the Longhorns is too good on the lines of scrimmage, running game better. And that's the uh, – we know this stat in this game, Mike. The Hugh runs the ball, team that runs the ball, typically wins. Uh, Texas far and away the better running team. Team with a more experienced quarterback typically wins. Playing in this game, Quinn Ewers has played in this game. Dylan Gabriel has not. Those things all, you know, side with Texas. Hey, by the way, if the Longhorns win this game, as we both think they will, uh, get out and celebrate at Hayes City Store there in uh, Driftwood, Texas. My buddy Travis Tindall, Tamara, they'll be in the game in Dallas, but their great staff will take care of you uh, after the game. Should be over by 2.30 or so, Mike. You can get out there and watch the baseball games, Rangers and Astros and all the football, Alabama A&M and Hayes City Store. Uh, Sunday or Saturday, any day, you're going to love it. That Scratch Texas comfort food, Scratch, is it comes from the, the food is amazing. Whether you're getting burgers or chicken fried steak or, um, you know, you like the bacon jam burger, which is to die for. Uh, truck stop enchiladas down the list. Just you know, the desserts are even amazing. Hey, City, uh, 52, 54 beers on tap, full bar, both inside and outside in the ice house with the TVs under the canopy of oak trees, live music six nights a week. Great spot. Get out there this weekend. Weather's cooling off. Be in the 70s. How about that, Mike? We haven't mentioned it. Kickoff time. It might be in the 60s for this game at the Cotton Bowl. How great is that? And then get out and enjoy a celebration. Hay City Store and Ice House. Find the menu and all the details at HayCityStoreTX.com. All right, final segment on the preview edition of the Eyes on Texas multicast and games outside of the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you're, you, where will you be this week, Mike? I'm assuming Cotton Bowl, or am I wrong? You would be wrong. I am. Uh, I'm going to be at Kyle Field for Alabama, uh, Texas A&M, doing the the 13 FB, doing 13 FBS stadiums in 13 weeks for a little coffee book project uh, that we're doing with Dave Campbell's and uh, Texas Monthly. Uh, the Cotton Bowl is not on that list. They are not one of the 13 FBS stadiums. So uh, Carter Yates, our, our second guy on the on the college beat for Dave Campbell's, will be there. Uh, I will be in A&M to see who is taking the lead in the SEC West. Big big game, right? I mean, for for Alabama, the 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 weekend, uh, Texas was beating Alabama to kind of set the tone of their season. Alabama lost, gave up fifty points to Miami, um, but they haven't lost since. Their defense has been better. Uh, they're they're really getting after the quarterback. They really dominated Arkansas last week. Outgained them two to one. Um, the scoreboard was probably closer than the game was there. But uh, and, and you mentioned, I mean, if, if Alabama A and M were to defend home field on this as a two and a half point underdog at home, they win this game. They've already beaten Auburn. They've already beaten uh, Arkansas. Now you got Alabama. Now you're putting yourself in a position to, you know, be a real factor in the SEC West and possibly get yourself to an SEC title game. But, you know, and I don't know that we would have said that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they are going with the backup quarterback, Max Johnson. What do you, uh, how do you, how do you forecast that matchup? I think it's a good matchup for Texas A&M. You know, their, their problem, and it's a different one than they've had the previous couple of years, is their problem defensively has been in the secondary. Well, Auburn couldn't test the secondary. Arkansas couldn't test the secondary. I don't think Alabama really can either. Um, they've kind of become just a, we're going to let Jalen Milrow do what Jalen Milrow does best, and that's run the football offense. Well, Texas A&M has 15 or 14 sacks and 30 tackles for loss combined in two SEC games this year. That defensive line, those linebackers that they've recruited so highly the last couple of years have really started to play well. Texas A&M, according to 24-7 team composite rankings, has the third most talented team in the entire country. Uh, they're starting to play like it. Uh, that front is especially starting to play like it. And then Max Johnson, a lot like my opinion of Quinn Ewers, doesn't have to be, you know, all-star Heisman Trophy winning level quarterback for AM to move the ball. They have Evan Stewart. They have Anaya Smith, Jake Johnson, the tight end. 
his little Max's little brother uh, is a really good player. So they have the weapons offensively. The running game starting to, to come along. They have their weapons offensively for Max Johnson to be you know more game manager. Let that defense go eat. Crowd will be crazy. Two thirty kick. I mean, uh, student section will be rocking. Not a better home environment in all of college football than you'll see there. And how about the state of Texas this weekend? Back to back Cotton Bowl with Texas OU. A&M hosting Alabama. It's a pretty good day of football. You wrap it up on Sunday night with uh, Cowboys at Niners. If you're a big NFL fan, that's a heck of a heavyweight matchup in the National Football League. Houston Texans, by the way, playing in Atlanta on Sunday. It's uh, C.J. Stroud is off to a great rookie year start facing Bijan. That'll be a lot of fun on Saturday or Sunday. Any other games in the Big 12 interest you? You know, K-State's playing Oklahoma State on Friday night at Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. That's kind of odd. Um, I'm sure the coaches hate that, having to play on the night of the high school football games. That's not good for your recruiting. Uh, UCF plays Kansas. That'll be a, a shootout, most likely in Lawrence. We think that Jalen Daniels will be back for that game. Uh, TCU-Iowa State in Ames, and then Texas Tech-Baylor. Uh, winner gets back to 500, and you told us on our on our Monday edition, uh, Joey McGuire thought he had to maybe was the leader to be the Baylor head coach, and instead it went to Dave Aranda. He went out to Texas Tech. This is uh, Plus, he took like 10 or 11 staffers with him. Uh, this is a, there's a lot of familiarity between these two programs. A lot of familiarity. And I think it's one of those games that, you know, if Joey goes into Waco and wins in year two and and Dave Aranda, you know, I that comeback against UCF has clouded what we view Baylor as, right? Like we think Baylor's about to like maybe go on a run and, may, and maybe they do. Uh, I just don't know if a quarter is enough to kind of undo how bad they've been in Waco. Uh, but conversely, this thing is, this is at Baylor and, and Texas tech is one in six on the road. Uh, under Joey McGuire, it just feel, you know how fan bases are. It just feels like one of those that if McGuire goes into Baylor, beats Dave Aranda, drops Baylor down to two and four in year four under Aranda, all of a sudden that fan base is going to look around and go, "Did we make the right decision?" And that that always adds a level of intrigue in, into these games. No question about that. Uh, fans fans are always right, Mike. We remember that, right? Yes. Fans are always right. Yeah, media. Uh, that's too. a fun game. Any thought from uh, down down south there? Our friends at Texas State, they're playing a big game at Louisiana. The Raging Cage, that's been a, a tough place for them to play historically. But uh, they're actually, I think, right. It's pick them game going in there. D.J. Kenny's coaching his tail off. That's a good team. T.J. Finley at quarterback. Uh, they're looking to get off to their best start in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, they can move to five and one. And, you know, they've already matched their win total from 2022 already. They, they get to five and one in a bowl game for the first time as an FBS program is essentially guaranteed. I can't say enough about what G.J. Kenny's done uh, so far at Texas State. Mac Lefwich, the offensive coordinator there, isn't even 30 and is one of the rising stars uh, in this industry. It does feel like a little bit too much too soon. Just the, the thought of Texas State being five and one after week six is, is crazy to me. I still think Louisiana has been in this position a little bit more to where, you know, maybe being on the road and, and having these expectations in the spotlight may prove a little bit too much for Texas state, but they've passed nearly every single test so far. So maybe I should start doubt, stop doubting. Them. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. That is uh, going to wrap it up for us. Uh, by the way, you like A&M or you like Alabama on Saturday? I'm riding with A&M. I, I really do. I, I don't believe in Alabama too much. Maybe this is just me like being the guy that's like trying to dump on Nick Saban and then Alabama comes out and wins by 30. I wouldn't be all that surprised with it that way. I just think what Alabama does is the things that A&M can stop. And so I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring game, and, and maybe Kyle Field is enough for A&M to win that. Well, obviously they won at Kyle Field two years ago. Should have won at Tuscaloosa last year and let it get away with some bad red zone play calling and decision-making. Uh, but we'll see. That's a fun one. Great day of football. Obviously, it starts with Texas and Oklahoma, number 12 against number three. Winner is in the driver's seat in the Big 12. Can't wait to talk about it on Monday with you on the Eyes on Texas 
uh, multicast. We are a product of the Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast. I have 13 different podcasts covering the schools all over the state of Texas there um, at the Republic of Football. Uh, just go to texasfootball.com. is a good spot to get it there. Also, follow us on our social medias on Twitter. It's uh, at Eyes on Texas FB. And also watch it on YouTube, on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel, and on the Horn in Austin, the Horn FM uh, YouTube channel there. Just to type in the Horn Austin, and you can watch this multicast or just listen to it on iTunes and Spotify. We are presented by Grande Equipment. Let me tell you about one more of our founding partners, Brain Vault and the Brain Vault technology, backed by science, revolutionary and patented mouth guard that really isn't a mouth guard. It is a orthotic which helps reduce the risk of concussions. Uh, it is absolutely uh, an amazing thing. And as we told you on our Monday broadcast, Dr. Greg Eckert and his partner, Drew Pittman, who have developed this, this uh, technology, uh, great research coming out of Texas State, speaking of the Bobcats, that is now irrefutable, that optimally, optimally, optimally aligning the jaw with the patented brain vault technology that passively increases the baseline neck strength, the most important line of defense against concussive forces. Uh, get your young athlete fitted. This has been used by more than 100 NFL players for eight seasons without one single concussion. Now your young athlete in a collision sport can get fitted for his own or her own cheerleading squad. UT cheerleading this week, Mike, got fitted for their brain vault orthotics. Uh, Vandergriff football, Hyde Park, like Travis, gosh, up into the Metroplex and down into Houston. Thanks, for everybody, for spreading the word for your young athlete or your team. It's backed by science. Uh, call our friend or talk to our friend, Dr. Greg Eckert. Simply go to the website to set up your fitting for your youngster or your team at brainvault.com. Brainvault.com, all one word. Hey, Mike, great stuff, man. Safe travels to Aggie Land. Look forward to our Monday edition that'll drop on Tuesday. This has been fun. We both like Texas by 10. I've got Texas 34 24. You've got a Texas 31 21. It'll be a happy uh, Austin, Texas if that happens, right? And if the Aggies win like you think, it'll be a happy state of Texas until the Cowboys play. That's true, until the Cowboys play. Uh, I am jealous that I'm not going to, I mean, Red River's the, the best game of the year, in, in my opinion. Uh, upset I'm not going to be there. Uh, eat a corn dog for me if you're going to be there, though. Mustard only, Absolutely. though. No, no ketchup. No, none of that ketchup stuff. Put mustard on it like a real person and eat a corn dog. All right. Thanks to all our partners who make this happen, uh, present, particularly our presenting sponsors at Grande Equipment. Find them at grandeequipment.com. Mike, enjoy the weekend. It's one of the great uh, sports weekends. If you had baseball with the Astros and Rangers and the divisional playoffs playing Saturday and Sunday, uh, head on a swivel. TV's everywhere. Get ready. We'll be talking about it all next week on the Horn in Austin. Mike will be writing about it at Dave Campbell's, and we'll be talking about it right here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Have a great weekend. Hook them.